in this edition of Hoopsology. Justin and Matt welcome Jake UT, co-author of Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball, which profiles Muggsy Bones. We really enjoy this conversation with Jake as he talks about how he created the book, the evolution of Muggsy's basketball career, and how Muggsy paved the way for smaller basketball players in the NBA. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Jake Uti. He is the co-author of Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball, which profiled Muggsy Bose. We welcome Jake Uti onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Jake? Hello. Thank you for having me, Justin and Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on to the show. Um, when I was looking for a books coming out in 2022, um, this came on our radar, and I was like, man, Muxy, he's a player that's kind of forgotten in time in terms of the players in the 90s, and I think it's kind of pretty disrespectful because I, Matt and I, we're 90s kids. We grew up in Me that too. era, and mm-hmm. he was a big Love part it. of that era of basketball, and, and now he's, just, he's not mentioned in terms of all those legends, especially since The Last Dance came out. You know, He's not mentioned in that. So I think it's awesome that you're pr- – creating this book about Muxy's life. So I just ask you kind of a basic question. How did you get involved with this book and what was yeah. kind of the creative process and making this come together? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 38 years old. So I, my childhood and sort of adolescence is square in the 90s. So I grew up in New Jersey. I live in Seattle now, but I was one of the probably half million to multiple millions of people who had the Charlotte Hornet starter jacket when I was a kid. So my love of Muggsy Bogues and, and the Hornets started there. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. I do a lot of music writing, actually. But um, if I could choose a, 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 a job, it would be to write about 90s basketball. So I, I love that era. Nice. And I, it, it was such a big part. I played basketball in high school and, you know, started on my high school team. And so basketball has always been a big part of my life. Um, and I do a lot of interviews, like I said, and many music interviews, but also, you know, um, comedians and tv people and stuff like that and so um when the opportunity or at least the idea arose to think about Muggsy Bogues I'm not to be to be frank I'm not sure when or why it popped into my head but when once it did I was looking for avenues to to speak with him and one was a possibility and that sort of fell through and I'd also been talking to Triumph Books which is the publisher of this memoir here that I co-wrote with Muggsy and the idea, you know, just sort of popped into my head again to reach out to Muggsy to see if he'd be interested to see if Triumph would be interested and Thank goodness they both were, um, and then once you know, once they gave you the thumbs up, then it's just dive into Muggsy's life from from birth to you know to now to, to present day, and um, it was a pleasure. You know, I, like I said a million times already, I love basketball, love '90s basketball, and Muggsy's just this sort of amazing person, and his story opened up to me as I did the research. You know, the Godfather of Small Balls, the the title of the book essentially, and it, that's um, I, I chose that because. He's so well connected, you know, I mean, the, the 90s Hornets were such a big thing and his relationship with Alonzo Mourning, with Del Curry, with Larry Johnson. And then he went to the uh, to Golden State where he uh, was there in practice with Latrell Spirol when that, that all went mm. down. And then he went to Toronto and sort of basically mentored Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter. And so his life is just so connected. And I, I say this, you know, with reverence, he's sort of like the Forrest Gump of of the NBA in a way with, with how well connected he is and just sort of at every moment along the way. Mm. Um, not to mention that he's a one of one and just, you know, a hero. like so uh, I'm sort of rambling now, but uh, Steph Curry uh, wrote the forward to the book. And one of the things that he said when I talked to him for it was 
when I, I all I wanted to do when I was a kid was get to five three because I knew once you got to five three that I can be <laughs> in the NBA. Like that's the benchmark. And and Steph was you know a younger uh, player and smaller player, and his his dad Dell is very close friends with Muggsy, and they were best friends. And the book goes into that. And but just the idea of like, and I remember having that thought too. You know, being a, like a middle schooler or fifth grader yeah. or whatever. It's like <laughs> if I could be five three, like I know I at least have a, a shot. Uh, and so Muggsy, you know, providing that standard is just incredible to me and and well worth a book and um so it was a, it was a very big treat to be able to do that yeah it was like mugsy bogues and spud webb i yep. mean two of the coolest names in the nba for totally. one thing but then also like shorter guys keeping the hope alive <laughs> yeah yeah and there's a lot of people who aren't six feet tall and a lot of those people love playing basketball and and to have you know people to look look to for those reasons is just sort of amazing um, and I think it's for some of those reasons that he's being rediscovered now. And I hope the book, you know, helps that. But in an era when, you know, people's, um, you know, the the, the non-norm uh, is being highlighted and re-remembered, um, Muggsy is, you know, a beacon for that. And it's just, it's just, he's a hero for that reason. And well-deserving of being in the Hall of Fame in, in my eyes. And that was sort of a, a part of the book, too, that I wanted to look into and try to hammer home because he's a one-of-one one and because he's, offered that example to so many people i think he deserves to be in the hall and that was you know part of the research and part of the, the exposition of the book yeah so jake i wanted to ask you the creative process in terms of contacting mugsy what was his feelings in terms of reflecting on his career was it um i guess full of positivity or was there maybe some you know unhappy memories or indifference or a mix of both what was that that kind of creative process was it easy to get stories out of him was it a struggle what was kind of that process in terms of getting him to open up for the book yeah it's a good question uh he's a positive person and i think you have to be in order to live the life that mugsy bogues has lived um he grew up in a you know in a in a loving and a close knit but but poor area of Baltimore, which itself is not a very wealthy city and, and has only gotten less so generally over the years. And um, crack cocaine obviously uh, played a part in that. Very sadly, anyone who watches The Wire you know has seen some of the, the effects of that. Um, but he's a very positive person. You know, Muggsy was shot when he was five years old, and he suffered um, gunshot wounds when he was five. Um, mm -hmm. And that, the book you know starts uh, basically with that story and. Um, in order to recover from that, you have to be positive in order to endure people on the playground saying you can't play basketball, you can't, you know, you're not tall enough. So therefore you're not good enough. He uh, was remained positive through that. And the same, you know, there's, it's, it's amazing stories with him that he goes to these high school gyms when he's the starter at Dunbar, which is, he was on the best high school team ever, in my opinion. And I think in many people's opinions um, and the crowds, when he's being introduced, just are falling out of the stands laughing at him. And then he, you know, gets 25 assists, 15 points and, you know, highlight plays to his other All-American teammates. And they're cheering him and praising him when he walks out. And it's like, I don't know what more you can ask of a human being. Um, so uh, he's just that type of person, um, which was a joy to work with. And so he was very positive and he was very forthcoming about the stories. You know, there's a sort of uh, his relationship with Steph and the Currys, you know, his going up against Michael Jordan, um, the Latrell Sprewell stuff, you know, traveling to different teams, his relationship, um, uh, yeah, with the Currys. And so um, those are the big points. And he was very, you know, forthright in talking about them. But there's a lot about his story um, personally that is, you know, less known. And he was also willing to talk about that. Like he was separated from his wife for 10 years and they rekindled a relationship, which is just a beautiful experience and got married on his 50th birthday in the surprise, you know, in the surprise wedding and surprise birthday. So, 
and yeah, so he was open to talking about that stuff. Um, I took it upon myself in terms of talking process uh, to do a lot of research, you know, and, and Muggsy was also great. Um, and a, a, the book really, you know, succeeds um, largely because of all the people who were, can help contribute to it with Steph and Dell and Vince Carter and all those folks. And Muggsy was really great about connecting those people with me. And um, so, yeah, he was he was into it. And I should shout out his daughter, Brittany, who uh, works very closely with him. And she's incredible. Uh, she's a hard worker and has a great vision and has been supportive of the project. And um, I'm very grateful for her as well. Jake, uh, we did an interview last year talking about actually um, Carmelo Anthony's biography that came out. Mm -hmm. Of course, he grew up in Baltimore as well. I mean, New right. York and then also uh, Baltimore in high school. And uh, it's it's just a fascinating parallel because one of the things they mentioned that got him through a, a rough patch in his life growing up in that area was also his positivity and, and a sense of humor about things. Where does that positivity come from, from Muggsy? Is that something instilled in him from parents? How, how did he kind of, um, I mean, I, I don't want to give up too much about his biography, but um, you know, his his brothers had had drug problems uh which mm -hmm. which he was able to uh rehab from thankfully but cold turkey um, at mugsy's house while like larry johnson <laughs> yeah. was playing horse in the driveway yeah, it was incredible yeah, cool. yeah um but where where does that come from for mugsy and how was he able to be you know resilient in in maybe a rougher upbringing yeah um I think it's largely innate. I think, you know, when people are that positive and, and facing in those difficult circumstances, I think largely it has to come from your own DNA or, you know, um, just deciding that you're going to, you know, live on this side of the line as opposed to the other one. His and his parents were very loving. You know, his his father, unfortunately, you know, went to jail for some for some misdeeds or whatever. I went to jail for way too long. Um for what he did, uh, but his parents were loving. They were around, his dad was around on the holidays, took care of the sons, they had a good relationship with the sons, and his mother was especially loving and especially positive. And I think, you know, in my own upbringing, my mother's similar, um, and I think she shows me, you know, how to love and how to how to be a positive person in my own life, and I, I think that came from, um, from her with Muggsy as well, with his own mom. Um, and, it, you know, he had good friends. He had strong relationships. He, he wasn't into drugs, wasn't into alcohol. Um, he, he liked dancing. Like, I, I think his brain chemistry, you know, luckily for him and for everybody else, had that, had that, that bent to it. Um, and he still has it today. You know, he's laughing all the time. He, and he could mm -hmm. easily, I mean, the world is filled with people who buckle under um, people making fun of them or saying that they can't do things. And, you know, Lord knows if you're 5'3", you sh probably shouldn't be in the NBA. And, let alone a starter, let alone a standout, let alone, mm -hmm. you know, a legend um, and someone who averaged 10 and 10, you know, he averaged one year, he averaged 10 points, 10 assists. So it's just like, I don't know, maybe a hundred people have done that in their careers. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's mostly innate. And if I had to attribute it to somebody else, I would say his mom. Yeah. Gotcha. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, Jake, I wanted to ask you in terms of the, the era of Kenna, we're talking about earlier about height and, just how in high school, you know, before they saw Muggsy play, they were laughing at him and judging him. Mm -hmm. But once he got out there, he, he, he pretty much shut them up really quickly. 
what was kind of without going to, not spoiling the book but what was kind of at best you can tell the recruitment process in terms of him um, being recruited by colleges and then kind of his you know him reflecting on his journey to the NBA I mean was it just constant like you know trying to really shut people up or did he have some supporters that just kind of respected his game and what was kind of his attitude in terms of reflecting on that journey you know to the NBA yeah so in high school, he was undefeated. So his his junior and senior. So in Baltimore, you go to high school for three years. Um, his first year, he was at a place called Southern, which um, his like transcripts got lost, maybe oh, slash wow. purposely misplaced for whatever reason. And he had to bus super far, even though he lived right next to Dunbar. So it was a sort of whole ordeal. And but um, for his final two years, his junior and senior year at Dunbar, he was a starting point guard and he was undefeated. I think they were basically like sixty and zero, depending on how you count. The, the numbers and the games or whatever, but basically 60 and 0. Um, and in between his junior and senior year, after a standout undefeated, you know, championship winning season, um, he went to all these like five-star camps and, and things like that. And his coach, his varsity coach was um, invited to be a coach at those camps too, because obviously the team was so good and, and, and they were undefeated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he got good looks um, in those camps, in those like Nike five-star camps and, um, which was, you know, I don't know how much those are going these days with AAU, but those were like the important sort of um, way to stand out back in the 90s and early and mid to late 80s. Um, and so that was a major point. And so he got discovered after going undefeated in these camps again, uh, still winning, even though being laughed at. And I think he, one of them, he was paired with Scottie Pippen, who was kind of a lesser known wow. um, uh, uh, recruit at the time for like central Arkansas or something mm -hmm. wherever Scotty went to college. And so people are like, who are these guys? Like they're <laughs> literally going undefeated, destroying the camp. And it's, I, we never heard of these people. And so some coaches took, or many coaches took notice and some would actually go out on a limb and allow themselves to imagine the idea of having a five, three point guard uh, on their team. And one of those teams, uh, one of those coaches was um, coach Ernie Nestor at, uh, who was an assistant coach at Wake Forest. And mm. so he got um, recruited by Wake Forest in between his junior and senior year. And knowing, I mean, the, Wake Forest was a s sort of, in terms of basketball schools, smaller student body, smaller school, and, um, you know, not a, not Duke, not a sort of perennial powerhouse, but, uh, but still a good team and in the ACC. And I think Muggsy mm -hmm. said, you know, bird in hand, I'll take it. You know, I think he kind of wanted to go to Georgetown. Some of his friends had gone to Georgetown, um, people he'd played with at Dunbar, uh, uh, including Reggie Williams, who was in his year and one of his best friends. And Reggie went on to win like player of the year, or at least like MVP in one of the final games. And, um, and other players, you know, before him uh, went to Georgetown and, and uh, John Thompson used to tell Muggsy after the fact that he wishes he recruited him a little bit more and, but didn't think he could be, sell it to his, you know, athletic director, director, bringing in a five, three point guard. And that's sort of the story of Muggsy's career. Um, so we went to Wake Forest and, uh, I think sort of accepted almost like early decision, you know, kids do it these days. And that was like kind of the biggest school to recruit him. You know, he got some looks from Seton hall and some other programs, but wake forest was like kind of the one big one that said yes. So we decided to go and was uh, his freshman year. He, I don't know, got a little bit of playing time. And then he just every year just improved, improved, improved until he was on the media guide at, at wake forest and, you know, first team, all ACC and all these other sort of accolades and, I think he graduated wake is definitely with the most assists and steals in school history and mm -hmm. up there with points and and all that stuff so um and set the set a lineage for you know for wake forest in the future with with people like tim duncan and, and other folks like chris paul who's 
also from North Carolina and has a close relationship with Muggsy growing up. Muggsy used to have him over at all these high school camps and have him play horse in, in the court in the backyard and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so it was this sort of Wake Forest was the one big call and he made it work. Is there sort of a time, I guess, in Muggsy's career where in the research you did, it it kind of feels more undeniable, like Muggsy's talent, and he gets away from what we've talked about, you know, being underestimated, being laughed mm -hmm. at in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, I know there were many instances early in his NBA career where he was being benched. And mm -hmm. in spite of that, he was leading the team in assists and steals mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. But is it is it really when he moves into Charlotte or is it a, yeah. a different point of his career where he is kind of undeniable? Yeah, you know, it's it's strange in a way. Like, he was drafted 12th by the Bullets, Washington, yeah. D.C., and that's a lottery pick. And usually, you know, the 12th pick is usually someone you kind of groom and, and, and want to have be, be part of the organization. But he wasn't taken as seriously, you know, which, again, is a sort of story of his career. And he was benched, but also they had a bunch of injuries. So he kind of played and ended up leading the Bullets, I believe, in assists his his first year with the team, his rookie year, even though, he wasn't, you know, sort of honored in the same way. And he was drafted ahead of Mark Jackson, who's who's not in the Hall of Fame, but should be. And obviously is on everybody's, you know, broadcast on Sunday NBA games, Saturday NBA games. Um, mm -hmm. But it was when he got to Charlotte that uh, it took off, but it didn't take off immediately. Like his first year or two there, it was still a little touch and go. And the, mostly because the coaches there, again, continued to underestimate him. But uh, uh, what turned out to be, I think, a big um, boon for Muggsy was that the owner of the Hornets was, I think, about 5'5". Five, five. And so whenever the coaches mm. would complain about Muggsy or even like pantomime getting on their own knees and being like, look, this is how he's trying to guard Patrick Ewing. The owner was like, <laughs> no, nah, man, like, I'm not going to take that. Like, that's how tall I am, basically. And so, no, we, this is not how we treat people, which which was great. And and eventually the more offensive minded and more run and gun coaches came into the Hornets and because they're an expansion team and uh, drafted, ended up drafting pretty high, you know, they got Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning and, and other folks. And, um, and also Del Curry, who was drafted in the um, expansion draft along with Muggsy. So he's got a shooter to pass to, and he's got two of the best, you know, big finishers to pass to. And, and he, all, what he cared about more than anything is setting people up. Um, so he wanted to get the ball, move up to the front court as fast as possible and set people up with as much time on the shot clock as possible. And, um, so, I, you know, part of it is who's around you and your circumstance. And so we had the owner, George Shin, in his in his corner, and eventually he had coaches who believed in him. And then he had the players that he could, you know, kick the ball to and, and really make waves. Um, so so I, I think it took off, you know, around like 92, 93, something like that. You know, Larry Johnson was drafted, I think, in 91 and, and played in the 91, 92 season. And then Alonzo was in the 92, 93 season. Um, Dell was there the whole time. And and so that's when it sort of took off. And and it's interesting, you know, it, Muggsy, despite these sort of um, touch and go early years, he's always resonated with the fans. So it's a little bit like Maximus mm -hmm. from um, whatever that movie, uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Where, uh -huh. Yeah, where he's he comes in and they're like, Maximus, Maximus. <laughs> but they're like, Muggsy, Muggsy. And like his kids love him. You know, other people who like people like me who are on the sidelines are like, that guy's doing it. Maybe I could do it. And he's became a fan favorite. And they kind of had to play him and he rose to the challenge. You know, he's very, very fast. And, and he talks about like, you know, everybody talks about being tall or like high flyers. Michael Jordan can jump through the air or whatever, but the ball and the people are mostly on the ground during a game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he had, that's where his advantage is. And so 
he, t- he took advantage of, of that. Yeah. Jake, I wanted to ask you, this is a weird question. So you're going <laughs> to tell Great. me, like, I'm not going to answer this, but I, with, with Muxy playing with Larry Johnson, like mm-hmm. in the nineties, the, the character that Larry Johnson have of, of Grandmama was mm-hmm. very, like, apparent in culture. I was wondering, did, did Muxie ever talk about that in terms of how that took off? Because that was everywhere. Like, I don't think people realize, like, yeah. how kind of iconic that was. And, you know, with, with Muxie <laughs> also just being, you know, he was in Space Jam as well. Yeah. It was kind of like the pop culture side of things in terms of what he experienced in the NBA as well, in terms of what he told you. Did he get yeah, kind of great... any interesting stories with that as well? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Grandmama was huge, uh, and it, but what's interesting about Grandmama is that it's a slice of just a giant Hornets popularity cake. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, with that starter jacket, I, you can see the jersey, Muggsy's or this way, Muggsy's jersey behind me. They were the first jersey with pinstripes. Like the teal is just everywhere, and the sort of three amigo quality of LJ, Alonzo, and um, and Muggsy was big, and Space Jam was huge. Like he was on. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday Night Live with uh, in, like he sort of guested on the Charles Barkley scene and, and RuPaul is there and uh, Kurt Cobain Nirvana is <laughs> play, like there's this p- photo I tweeted out that it's like oh my god the people that are in this photo is just incredible <laughs> and so Grandma was huge you know it was Grandma was on Family Matters it did a game with That's S- right. Steve Urkel which I <laughs> right. which I loved and I watched to just remind myself of the book <laughs> um, but the Hornets were massive you know it's just kind of like there's a there's a good story that I found in ESPN I probably before Steph Curry had become like Steph freaking Curry but and he talked about how everybody you know I think the quote was everybody's got to have that starter jacket and so they were at the center you know I think in the book I I talk about um or Muggsy and I you know discussed the the idea of like they were as big as Nirvana, you know, and as big as Jordan in a way, because Jordan was the beacon and he was what everybody wanted to be. But in a way, Muggsy and the Hornets were what you could be. And that's almost as enticing as, you know, the aspirational superhero, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. There's just there's I think there's so many ways to look at the Hornets and Muggsy's career and, and space. You know, yeah, you mentioned Space Jam. And he was he was in Space Jam, and people are still like, "Oh, that's Muggsy for Space Jam." I I probably watched Space Jam two months ago. You know that movie's great. Oh and, yeah, and kids are watching it, and um, you know, God bless the newest Space Jam, but it falls a little short, unfortunately. Agreed. Rest yeah. in peace, my hope uh, for Space Jam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Agreed. I think people return to that movie too and see him, and 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 he's the little guy in the in the movie, and I think every kid who watches it, you know, their eyes can't help but gravitate to him. And that's, you know, along with being underestimated, that's also the story of, of Muggsy's life. So, yeah, the pop culture aspects. And then it translates, you know, he had, his, he had like his own Sprite commercial, I think, like when your thirst is giant, you know, you know, and Muggsy Bogues in the commercial. And he was later in a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode with Larry David and uh, had like GoDaddy commercials and stuff. So he's just he is he's a marketer's dream, I think. So, yeah, great question. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting, kind of some of the parallels with Steph Curry, I think in in the modern era, you see a guy who Mm -hmm. is a little bit more relatable to the everyday fan in in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm almost as tall as Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. So there's, I can relate to him a little bit more as a person than I can to like, LeBron, uh, for example, Yeah, I'm never gonna dunk, but I can shoot a three pointer. Yeah. And so 
Right. He says I, exactly like I, I'm just never gonna move. I'm never gonna move like Steph Curry either. But right, <laughs> I've got right. a closer chance than Handle than with like, like a LeBron. Um, speaking of the the Steph Curry connection, obviously you mentioned he writes mm-hmm. the forward to the book. Strong relationship. Uh, Del Curry's his best friend from mm-hmm. that Charlotte Hornets team. Did you happen to get Muggsy's thoughts on today's NBA? What he sees in the game right now? What he thinks um, is maybe better? What he kind of misses from the 90s game? I mean, when we talk about Muggsy being 5'3", I I think you also have to mention the toughness element that he's playing in the era of hand-checking and 90s basketball. I mean, that that can't go overlooked either. Um, What's his views on kind of the, the modern game as as you discussed with yeah. him. I did ask him if, if he thought he would do well, and you'll be shocked to say that he thought he would do well uh, in, <laughs> in, the, in the modern NBA. I think, um, the, yeah, the absence of the hand check rules, the absence of like the bloody Chicago Bulls and Knicks and, and early bef- Detroit Pistons before them. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's no longer in the league. Uh, I, he, I, he said that he would probably work on his shooting a little bit more since that's such a major aspect of the game. You know, see Steph Curry, absolutely. But I think Muggsy, he was so good at getting in the paint and kicking out or finding the open person that, and he's so fast and um, that, yeah, Muggsy would be great um, in the league right now, uh, similar to a Steph Curry. You know, he'd probably have to work on his finishing a little bit, probably have to shoot a little bit more than he was accustomed to at the time. Um, Certainly there's more offense now than there was in the mid nineties and even in the late eighties. Um, but yeah, he. I think he would be great. And I think he thinks he would be great, and especially if he had, you know, Clay Thompson next to him uh, to hit threes, that that he would be he would be good. But you know, I think there's some amount of like when you talk to older players, like they they also love their generation and are very happy for their for their generation and the time sure. that, they grew, that that they came up in. And Muggsy's got great friends and Charles Oakley and and other teammates. You know, he's got he had the podcast last year that they may bring back called. Um, three OGs in the league, uh, something along those lines, um, a podcast that he had with Earl Currenton, one of his former teammates. And, and Earl's a really cool guy. He, he used to play with Dr. J, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Michael Jordan throughout his career. So he this guy knows athletes. Um, mm. And Charles Oakley is on the podcast and too. So there's a there's a, a love and a reverence for the 90s uh, that I also share. But but yeah, Muggsy, Muggsy knows that he would be good um, in the league today, especially with all that spacing with everybody around the three-point line. Yeah, I think one thing that stands out to me about Muggsy Bogues in the age of analytics uh, is his assist to turnover ratio. I was just going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that stands out and and would hold up really well today. Um, you know, if if he couldn't be a starter, which who's to say he couldn't be, um, he definitely would be high value with um you know the need for point guards in today's nba i mean we we see several teams even contenders right now looking for steady point guard play as we get closer and closer to the playoffs the knicks the the celtics (laughs) you think they can't use a mugsy bogues on the team i mean the celtics would do backflips if they got mugsy bogues right now (laughs) agreed agreed Um, Jake, yeah. oh, go ahead. Uh, did you have any more to, to add there? Jake? No, 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 sorry. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Uh, just uh, last question for me, unless Matt has something. Um, I wanted to ask you, was there anything in the book that surprised you or shocked you in terms of talking to Muggsy that you, just took you by surprise that um, you weren't thinking about when you, you were preparing and doing all your research for the book? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I didn't know until I dove in that he was 
shooting around with Latrell Sprewell when the PJ Carlissimo stuff happened. Like the two were like doing shooting drills on one side of the court together. And it's like, again, like he's everywhere. Um, so that was, that was really great to sort of, I mean, it's an unfortunate incident, but it's sort of like, wow, I can't believe again, you're at the center of sort of NBA culture. So that was a surprise. Um, one of the things I'm really proud about with, with the book um, and, and I sort of discovered at the end uh, and it speaks to a little bit what Steph Curry was talking about in terms of like, uh, I just want to be five three so that I know I can make it. Muggsy's got a grandson who plays basketball and um, probably will play college basketball. I think he's, I think he's like a junior maybe in, in Baltimore uh, a high school player now. And he's, he's not tall. I think he's maybe five, four, five, six, something like that. And certainly was shorter growing up when he was coming up and learning the game and, and uh, Muggsy's eldest daughter was telling me about him, about the, about her son, who's Muggsy's grandson. And and she said, uh, people don't come up to him and say, you're too short to play. They say, oh, you're Muggsy Bogues' grandson. Mm. Oh, you play just like Muggsy Bogues, which I think is like, I mean, more than averaging 10 and 10, more than his, you know, I think he led the league and assist a turnover, I don't know, four or five, six times, something like that. More than any of those things, to take that pressure off a human being, um, from being too short and, and receiving the ridicule that he got playing so hard and so well, that that is no longer a thing. I mean, how many people have you seen on the court just, you know, anecdotally and the like, Oh, you play like Muggsy Bogues if they're short or, Oh, you know what? Like the name comes up. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that wasn't like a surprise as much as just like gratifying, you know, to find out and to, and to see and to, and, and so like working with someone who's provided that for so many people, is just an honor um, so that, that, that was, that's what, what would come to mind. And, and just the general connectedness that he has, um, with Vince Carter, with Tracy McGrady, like these people would like, you know, not to speak for them, but like lay down in traffic for the, for Muggsy, you know, the amount of impact that he's had on them. Chris Paul, you know, there was a, uh, Chris was in, um, Charlotte last year at a Hornet game. And he was just like, people don't talk about Muggsy enough. Like people need to talk about this guy, both as a mentor for younger people and when that can, that they can go to, and also someone who invented aspects of the game you know i'm sure chris paul knows how to play defense better because of muggsy bogues i'm sure steph curry knows how to be a better athlete and a better point guard a facilitator and just understand the game because of muggsy um so all that that interconnectedness was just like mind-blowing and just and, and really pushed me to want to finish the book and just just be a part of it and all that stuff just because there's so many cool stories um but yeah Awesome. This has been uh, really fun, Jake. Really appreciate your time. I, I just have one Absolutely. last question, and then yeah. uh, we'll we'll let you go. But um, what what are Muggsy's future aspirations moving forward? On like what what kind of impact does he want to have? Connection with the game or or yeah. otherwise? Another great question. Um, he's got a lot of family foundations for one, and he was actually just honored um, by the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, for for one of those family foundations and. Um, one of one of the things that I think he does that's really great outside of basketball is he's got this foundation that raises money for people to go to vocational school. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we need doctors and lawyers or whatever else, but we also need people who are doing who you know have the skills to fix cars and to do whatever else, you know, stuff that um, absolutely a lot of us don't know how to do. And and so in that way, again, he honors these people who want to have these different career paths, and he you know provides the resources for that. Um, so that's one thing that he does outside and, and he's being recognized for it. And again, his daughter, Brittany is involved with that stuff too. Um, but, but yeah, and he's involved with the Hornets. He's an ambassador with the Hornets. I think they're going to have, you know, maybe a day to celebrate him with the book potentially. And cool. Uh, just, yeah, just be a part of the league moving forward. 
Um, there's a, a new documentary about him that was being put together as I was writing this book that came out, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago on NBA TV. And so I think as people just rediscover, and if you've noticed in these like 75, these NBA 75 commercials, he's got a little, little spot in there with his beautiful smile. And so I, I think people, and I hope the book will be a part of this, but I think people will re-remember Muggsy and re-remember what he did. Cause I, I you know, I think there's a, a thought out there that he wasn't that good, right? Like I, I've heard podcasters remember him and be like, yeah, Muggsy was all right. But <laughs> when you dig into it, like he was a great teammate. He averaged a double-double, almost averaged 10 assists a year for, like, I don't know, six years, seven years, which is really, really hard to do. Um, and just the value that he has with this interconnected relationship with all these people, I, you know, I don't know. He's a he's sort of a hero. And I think as people rediscover him, we will continue to see more and more of him um, both as an ambassador and as a storyteller, I think. And I, I just can't wait for that stuff. Well said. I've, I remember him being super impactful, even on the uh, 2000 Raptors. Yeah. Um, that was actually one of my fonder <laughs> memories of Muggsy Bogues was totally. watching. I believe that team went to the playoffs. I, uh -huh. I think it was an early exit against the 76ers, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, yeah, I, I th took them out. I think but, 76ers might have been uh, the next. I think they lost the Knicks, actually, maybe uh, in the first round. Um, but yeah, they were like, um, I don't know, the Raptors were like 20 and whatever the year before. And when Muggsy gets there and they make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that with was, Dell, that and was... Dell Curry's there too, and Vince and Tracy and Charles Oakley and Mark. I think you know Mark Jackson came later, and and Muggsy ended up retiring after that year, even though he had I think a four year deal because his mom died, and his oh, wow. mom is was his rock and such an important person, and I think he was sort of devastated and and you know this isn't the right word, but liked the idea that his mom saw his last game, you know, valued that, um, mm. and so so yeah, but. uh Hopefully we see more Muggsy, and I appreciate you guys, you know, being part of that of shedding shedding light on his story and um, being interested. And so thank you for having having me and by extension uh, Muggsy and Muggsy's replica jersey over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, pleasure having you on. Absolutely. Would love to chat with you about music some other time. Yeah. Um, please plug for our listeners uh, any projects, any other projects, uh, the book, anything yeah. else you have going on for this year. The book comes out April 12th. Um, it is available on Amazon, which is probably the easiest way anyone buys anything, but it's also available Barnes and Noble and other outlets and including Triumph. And <clears throat> there's a discount code. I think the code is just Muggsy and that gets you, I think, 30% off if you are through Triumph. So if listeners care about that. Um, and yeah, I'm always sort of writing articles for places like American Songwriter, Interview Magazine, Guitar World, the sort of the music side of, of me. Um, but I, and I hope to be doing more books, uh, basketball and otherwise in the future. So um, if people like what they read, uh, I am available and uh, to keep a look, keep a lookout, I guess. I appreciate you, Jake. Thank you very much yes. for your time. Thank you this both. Awesome. Thank you very much.